So I, I just want you to know, without faith, it's impossible to please God. God doesn't need our help. He needs our faith to move on our behalf. If I don't declare what is, then I am bound to live what was. In other words, 2019 is just going to be a repeat of 2018. What are your expectations for the new year? Will you be a victim or a victor? How is next year going to be different from this year? What kind of witness will you be? As we close out this year and prepare to start a new year, Pastor Eddie Mason challenges us to make a commitment to keep our faith and hope in Jesus, who is the very foundation of hope. I want to, how many of you are willing to pay the price for revival? Amen. You see, there's a price to be paid anytime revival comes. And um, it's, it's really up to us as to whether we want it or don't want it. Whether we're willing to walk in what God's called us to or not. And revival always begins in your heart. We, when we talk about revival, what we're waiting for is some kind of outpouring to just grab us by the, by the nap of the neck and begin to shake us and twirl us all around. And we have seen some outpourings like that. But can I just be real honest with you? That's not revival. Revival is when your heart is awakened to the things of God and then the signs and wonders follow because you have faith in the Almighty God. Amen? And so I, I want to talk to us. I want to continue in this vein of faith that we've been work, working on for the last several weeks. I want to continue in that vein. And, and Friday night when we were teaching, boy, I'm going to tell you what the Holy Spirit, we've been teaching in Hebrews, which is really a book of faith anyway. And, and as we were beginning to share some of the things that were in there, it just kind of jumped all over me. Uh, I was talking to Bobby uh, about me and the faith movement, one of the things that happened to me in the faith movement. It became so self-centered that I, I didn't want anything to do with it. And it went from the faith movement to the prosperity movement. And there's a major difference in the faith movement and the prosperity movement that takes place. The faith movement is an outward reaching of the Holy Spirit. The prosperity movement is all about what I can get out of God. Now, I believe God's people are supposed to prosper, don't get me wrong. I, I think you can look at the, the patriarchs of God, and they were wealthy, wealthy men. And so I have no problem with that aspect of it, but I think that the idea comes in, and do I have faith, and do I have faith not only for myself, but for other people? The Bible says without faith, it is impossible to please God. And so you can't throw the baby out with the bathwater. There better be a faith movement taking place in your mind, and your heart, and your spirit. Amen? You've got to grab hold of what faith is all about. I'm going to have to take my coat off, mainly because I want to show off my Clemson shirt, but... That's right, Alabama's next on the list. <laughs> That's faith, brother. <laughs> Amen. So I, I just want you to know, without faith, it's impossible to please God. We were studying in Hebrews 6 chapter, and I want to read that to you because it just so impressed me. And I've read it a number of times, and I'm sure you have too, but just grab hold of this. It's so, it says, so when God desired to show more convincingly to the heirs of the promise the unchangeable character of his purpose, he guaranteed it with an oath. Now, let me kind of break that down into English with you. Okay? He said when God wanted to put forth a guarantee, he swore an oath. God doesn't have to swear an oath. As a matter of fact, God tells us not to swear. 
He said, let your yes be yes and your no be no. We talked about that Friday night. And, and so I want you to understand that, that when God said that he made an oath, what he's really saying is, what I am doing is great, far greater than any human being on earth can, can offer up. He said, I'm giving an oath in accordance with my promises. And so I'm telling you, these are the things that are going to transpire in the earth. And if I said it, you can count on it. Write it down. It is a done deal. It is done forever and ever. So he says, he said, he made, a, he made an oath. He guaranteed it with an oath. So that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled for refuge might have strong encouragement to hold fast to the hope set before us. We have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul, a hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain where Jesus has gone as a forerunner on our behalf, having become a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. And so he says, he tells us here, he said, God swore by himself. Now he's talking about here, he's talking about the idea that when men create an oath, what they'll do is they'll come down and they'll start and they'll say, Rodney, I'm going to enter into an oath with you. And this is what I'm going to promise you. First off, I'm going to take out and we're going to shake hands. And we're going to agree. And my word is good. But just in case, Jimmy, you're going to witness this right here. All right? And so this is the witness to our agreement. So if there ever becomes a dispute between the two of us, guess who gets to settle it? Jimmy. That's right, because Jimmy is the witness to what we have promised. So what we turn around and do is we see father and son standing in agreement to the promises that have been made, and we see the Holy Spirit become witness to what's been said. So the Holy Spirit says, tells God, said, this is what you've done. Now, I know I'm breaking it down into three persons for this analogy. Understand that. I believe that's three in one. But I want you to begin to understand what God said. He said, I swore by myself. Unchangeable. Somebody wrote me, a, wrote me a note the other day and asked me the question said, why do we have to go by the Bible? Why can't we go by the Torah? Why can't we go by something else that brings forth truth? And I'm going to tell you because if you go by, if you get several things going on, what happens is you begin to lose sight of what truth is all about. And when you begin to lose sight of what truth is all about, then you get blown to and fro by every wind of doctrine. And guess who gets to be God in that situation? It's not God. It's only you. And so when anything other than the Bible becomes your standard of living, when anything other than the Bible becomes a direct guide in your life, then you, what you have done is you've gone off on a flesh trail and you're being deceived by the enemy. And so that's the, the power of the spoken and written word of God in our lives. And so I want you to grab hold of this idea that when God spoke it and he promised it, he said, I guarantee it. Turn to your neighbor and say, it's the best guarantee available. It's so good you and I have staked our lives on that guarantee. We staked our lives on that guarantee. Well, Eddie, what are you talking about? How many of you believe you're going to heaven? How many of you been there? Then how do you know? I got a guarantee. I got a guarantee. Blood of Jesus is my guarantee that I'm going. Look what he says. We have, we have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul, a hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain. I like this idea, an anchor of the soul. How many of us have ever been in a soulless realm? The soulless realm means we get off in our emotions. 
How many of y'all have ever gotten off in your emotions? Woo-wee. Mm. I know I have. I know how I have. And when I get off in my emotions, it's not good. I get off in my emotions, and, and I can make decisions, emotional decisions, and, you know, most of the time they don't turn out the way I think they ought to turn out. And so he says, he said, it becomes an anchor for the soul so that, so that we're not blown to and fro. We're not, we're not guided by our emotions. God has called us to be an emotional people. He gave us emotions. He loves emotion. I love that dance. I love the idea of becoming more undignified. I'm going to worship, I'm going to worship God with everything I got. I want to worship him with my feet. I want to worship him with my mouth. I want to worship him with my hands. I want to worship him with my head. I want to worship him with everything I've got. And if you don't like it, too bad, so sad. He's my God. I'm going to worship him. That's what that song is all about. David said, I don't care. You can be offended if you want to be offended, but David said, I know who my confidence is in, and it's in the Most High God, and I will not be swayed by you or anybody else. I will worship Him with all I've got. Until we reach that point that David reached, we won't have the heart that David had. We got to grab hold of this idea. He said that he said it becomes a steadfast anchor. He said it's a steadfast anchor. We were reading a commentary, and I loved in the commentary he said, but an anchor without a tether, without a string or a rope, it doesn't do you any good. How many of you ever been on a boat and you reached in there and you took out the anchor and you threw it in the water and there wasn't anything to it, so the boat just sank, didn't it? See, there you go. I knew there'd been somebody here done that. <laughs> I had to confess, I have too. <laughs> oh, y'all are too holy. I know y'all are smarter than we are. But anyway. And so there's got to be a line that's, ta- that's, that's tethered to that anchor. When I tell you that God is unchangeable, he's an anchor that, that never gives way. He's an anchor to the soul that never, ever changes. And so if you're going to be tethered to that anchor, let me tell you what's going to tether you to that anchor. Turn to your neighbor now. This is a real secret. It's faith. It's faith. Wow. Now, I know many of you, most of you, probably all of you have heard about the mating rituals of eagles. We we, we used to teach it a lot in our men's retreats because it had to do with catching sticks. And what happens is the female eagle spots an eagle she's kind of attracted to. She's not just attracted to any eagle. She finds one she's attracted to. And so what she does is she goes and she gets a little stick. And she flies up high. And she drops that stick. And if that male is interested, he flies down and he catches that stick. And then she'll get a little bigger stick. And she'll fly up, she'll drop a little bigger stick. And this goes on and on and on until finally she gets the heaviest stick that she, can, that she can fly with. And because it's so heavy, she can't go quite as high as she used to or as she's been doing. And so she gets it as high off the ground as she can and she drops it. And if that male eagle catches that stick, then they will mate for life. What they do is after that, they fly to the highest point they can fly. She locks talons with that male. She draws in her wings, and she refuses to flap. 
they go into a death spiral. And if that male is not able to fly with her, they crash to the ground and die. That female has put her faith in her life in that male's hands. How many are willing to lock talons with Jesus and quit flapping? You do realize that, that when the, when the uh, priest went into the Holy of Holies, he could not sweat? Sweating wasn't allowed. Sweating was a death sentence. That's interesting, isn't it? How many of you are sweating out what's going to happen next week? And God says, stop! I don't want sweating in my presence. I don't want flapping in my presence. I don't want locked talons that said, I trust in you. Am I making sense to you? You see, that's faith. That's hooked to that anchor. That anchor says, I got you. I'm never going to let you go. You may turn loose of me, but I'm not going to let you go. He wants us to grab hold of this with all our heart, with all our mind, and with all our soul. And he says, he says, he said that, he said that he, a hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain. We've already been challenged to spend time in the presence of God. And, and he's saying that's where that faith grows stronger. And it's not the anchor grows heavier. The anchor is sure. The anchor never gives in. The anchor never changes. The anchor is never dislodged. The anchor never moves. It's an immutable word of God. It never, ever, ever changes. And when we try to help it along, we create what Abraham created, which was an Ishmael, which is an enemy of, which became an enemy to Israel, to the promised people. To this day, there's still war going on because Abraham decided he wanted to help God out. God doesn't need our help. He needs our faith to move on our behalf. We have to trust in who he is. We have to trust in what he has done. We have to trust that his promises are absolutely true. You're willing to lock, lock talents. You see, Christian hope. He said our hope is, is linked. Our hope is linked to Christ. As a matter of fact, let me say it in a better way. Our, Christ, our, our hope is Christ. Our hope is Christ and him crucified. That is our hope. That is our eternal hope. I've said this over and over and over and over again, but I want you to grab hold of it. Christian hope is when God has promised that something's going to happen and you put your trust in that promise. How many of us get wishy-washy? God doesn't get wishy-washy. God answers and performs what his word has set forth to do. There's just no question about it. God's word is true. You see, it's when we, when we realize this, it, we, we put our faith in that, and I love, I love the way John Wimber used to say it. This is faith. You climb up to the high board, you know, when diving. You look down at the swimming pool, and it's empty, and you jump off anyway. That's faith. 
And what happens if there's no water comes in the pool? You crack your head open, you climb up, and you do it again. Faith just doesn't quit. Faith just doesn't give up. Faith just does not give in. Faith holds on to the promises of God. Hope is the birthplace of Christian self-sacrificing love. Hope becomes it. You know why? Because when your hope is founded in God, you don't have to work things out for yourself anymore. Are you hear what I'm saying? You see, when that, when that female eagle, when she's locked into talons with that male eagle, she's not flapping, she's not struggling, she's resting in him, he's got her. If he can't take care of her, she'll die. If God can't take care of you, you'll die. And so God says, you don't have to worry about what's going on in your life. You don't have to worry about what's going on in your children's life. You now have the opportunity to live a sacrificial life that says, I now live to the, to the, the glory of God. I will be his witness in all the earth. You see, the Bible says that the, 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 the um, I can't remember what it's called now, the choir of martyrs, the crowd of martyrs, it's not yet been fulfilled. But let me let you in on a little secret. We always think of martyrdom as death. That word means, to, the martyrdom means death to self and becoming a live witness. How many of us are going to become a live witness? Or are you going to spend 2019 worrying about everything that's gone wrong in your life and in your house and in your, your children? Or are you going to say, listen, God, I can't do anything about what's going on in mine. I got that in your hands. I refuse to sweat. I refuse to flap. I'm going to hold on to you. You're the answer. I recognize that you're the answer. You're the answer for my son. You're the answer for my wife. You're the answer for my grandchildren. You're the answer for my children. You are the answer for everything. And so what I want to do is, Lord, I want to be the most effective witness that I can be. I want to kick the devil's butt from here to kingdom come. I don't want to give him any rest. I want to kick him and kick him and kick him and kick him until your name is so glorified that the devil says, I'm going to leave those folks alone because they are locked in. Come on. I'm going to worry about what's going on in somebody else's life if I'm going to worry. I'm not going to worry about what's going on in my life. Daddy said we come to our wits end. The Bible talks about coming to our wits end. That's because we've redirected our focus from Jesus to ourselves. And we're trying to flap and we're trying to flitter and we're trying to sweat and we're trying to make something happen and we're thinking if God can't do it, I'm going to do it. I, I'm just telling you the truth and I'm not condemning you because I've been right there. I get right there from time to time. But what I want to do is I want there to be a transition from what was to what is. And if I don't declare what is, then I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I am bound to live what was. Let me say that again. If I don't declare what is, then I am bound to live what was. In other words, 2019 is just going to be a repeat of 2018. Why? Nothing changes. I like what the prophet said one time. The prophet said he, he went to the Lord one time and he said, Lord said, I don't understand what's going on. And the Lord says, that's because you've not come into agreement with me. And he said, Lord, but I think I'm, I'm in agreement. He said, well, you're not, and one of us got to change. And then he told the prophet, he said, and I don't change. 
So if you wait until God changes his mind or changes, you'll be waiting for all eternity. God does not change. We don't fast to try to change God's mind. We, try, we fast to draw nearer to God. We deny the flesh and draw nearer to Him. And so hope then becomes the birthplace. Hope has this expectation. I know what God has promised and my hope is found in that. My hope is that. That's, become, that's because we just let, let God take care of us. We say, Lord, I just want to be there for other people tomorrow because you're going to be there for me today. How I many you know God's on your side? If God be for you, who can be against you? Come on, we got to grab hold of that. Most of the time we don't think even God's for us. 1 Peter 1.12, it was revealed to them that they were serving not themselves but you. He's talking about the, the patriarchs. Turn to your neighbor and say, Abraham was serving you. Isaac was serving you. Moses was serving you. King David was serving you. Woo! Wow. That's what the scripture said. He was serving us. Why? Because they were hoping in a Messiah to come, and their confidence is that the fulfilled promise would be through Jesus Christ the Messiah. Guess who got to operate in that time, in that place, and in that understanding, and in that gift? You and I. You and I. You, you do understand that if David could swap places, he would rather be alive today than he had 2,000, 4,000 years ago. Why? Because he was just an expector of the promise. We are those that have received the promise. Turn to your neighbor and say, I've received the promise. Do you believe the promise, though? Do you believe the promise? Look what he says here. He said, they serve not themselves but you in the things that have now been announced to you through those who preach the good news to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things into which angels long to look. Therefore, preparing your mind for action. Ooh. Preparing your minds for action. Okay, God, I'm waiting on it. I'm waiting on it. Give me the gift, God. Give me the gift, God. Send me the money, God. Save the world, God. Change our neighborhood, God. Well, God, I, I, I'm waiting. God said, no, I, I made you an active witness. I've, made, I've designed you to be a carrier and the temple of my spirit. I have created you to go forth in power and authority. I've, give, I've created you until you get into the idea that you have an active mind, that your mind is acting on. Acting on what? Acting on the promises of Almighty God until your, until your mind is acting not on what you see, but what you, what you know in your understanding of who God is and what He has done until we begin to be active in our minds and say, this is truth and what I see is not truth. Am I making any sense to you? 
set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. He said, he said begin to grab hold of it. He said, you're not going to have all the answers right now. You're going to have the entire revelation at the return of Christ. But he said, the more the revelation of Christ that you have now, the more you will understand and the more you will see. I'm making sense to anybody. Y'all have gotten awfully quiet on me. Set your hope fully on the grace that will brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. See, we think grace is the unmerited favor and that we don't have to worry about anything. Grace is an empowerment. It is favor. There's no two ways about it. But it's an empowerment to walk in faith. It's an empowerment to hold on to what's in front of you. Hebrews, I mean, Romans 8.32 said, He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for all of us, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Grace says, I don't have to wonder whether God will keep his promises. All I have to do is look at an empty cross. All I have to do is look at an empty grave. All I have to do is look at the blood that was shed on my behalf and know that God is not going to withhold anything good from me. How many of you believe that? Can I tell you the majority of the church does not believe that. Many people will not get saved because they believe that God will hold the good things because what we consider good too often is what the world is offering and not what God is offering. And God is telling us, I will give, I will not withhold any good thing from you. I will not withhold any godly thing from you. Hebrews 12, 1. And I'm going I'm to quit here in just a minute. Therefore, since we were surrounded by so great cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of God's, uh, at the throne of God. And so he says, he says, set aside every weight. You know what he said? You lay aside every weight. You know what the weight is? Tell you what the weight is. Where am I going to live next week? Let me tell you what the weight is. How am I going to pay my bills next week? Let me tell you what the weight is. How am I going to get my son out of the trouble and my daughter out of the trouble they're in? Let me tell you what the weight is. My, 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 my loved one's in the hospital sick and dying. Let me tell you what the weight is. My family's on drugs and alcohol. He said, lay them aside. Where does he want them laid at? Right there at the foot of the cross. He wants them laid at the foot of the cross. Lay them down. And then he said, every sin. How many in here, you, you have a struggle with sin in your life? <laughs> Y'all got to be kidding me. You know liars go to hell. Well, it ain't bad sin, okay? Let's just put it. 
How many of you are struggling with little sin? Lay them aside. Lay them aside. Why? They put a hindrance on us. He said, lay these things aside. He said, and those things cling to you. How many of you know those things cling to you? Those things try to grab hold of you. How many know fear and worry and doubt? They try to grab hold of you, and man, they want to hold on to you for all it's worth. My marriage is never going to be right. My children aren't ever going to be right. Things in my house are never going to be right. My finances are never going to be right. I'm going to die. If you're confessing that, would you let me know so I can prepare your, your uh, eulogy ahead of time? I'm just saying, folks, we need to understand that we've got to grab hold of our God and keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. And when we fix our eyes on Jesus, we become unshakable and immovable. We become those that are not tossed to and fro. We become those that are, that are fixed on what God has said. We take those Klingons and cast them off. You, you know, that's where they came from, right? They're Klingons. That stuff clings on to us. There are evil spirits all around that like to cling on to you. Well, Eddie, are you saying I got demons around me every single day? Some of them are in bodily form. Let me go on before I get in trouble. Now, Rodney didn't read my, my script or my scriptures or whatever here. As we close out this year and prepare to start a new year, let's make a commitment to keep our faith in hope and in Jesus, who is the very foundation of hope. What are your expectations for the new year? Well, I hadn't really thought about it. Then you're going to get what you thought about. Nothing. Nothing. Well, I, I, I don't know what to expect. Well, maybe you ought to pray. Maybe you ought to ask God what to expect for next year. Let me ask you this. Are you going to be a victim or a victim next year? I, I like what John David said. He texted me back after the Notre Dame game. I, I noticed he must be sick today. Paul, I, I, I applaud you for showing up. He texted me and he said, you need to buy a round of drinks for the, re, or the, review, the review officials. Yeah, that's right. Just blame it on somebody else. I mean, you know. Isn't that what we do, though? I'm just teasing John David, of course. We point. If, if it wasn't for him, if it wasn't for her, if it wasn't for this, if it wasn't for that, if this had happened, if that had happened, if this had happened, if that had happened. No, 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 no. You whiny, whiny. Oh, I was so, said something ugly. It's true, though. We're whiny butts. I'm thinking, there's something going my way. My mama used to have a saying, I'm just going to go eat worms and die. <laughs> of course, she was always making fun of me when she was doing it, but that's okay. You're going to be a victor or victim next year? What were you this past year? How many of you had an opportunity to overcome obstacles in 2018? Amen. How many of you got by those obstacles? How many of you are still here today? Amen. Will you be a victim or a victor? 
How is next year going to be different than this year? What kind of mindset? Jesus said, have this mind. Let it be active in you. What's going to change? It changes up here before it changes anywhere else. Then my daddy used to train me, and he said, Eddie, when you get it up here, he said, put it on paper. When you get it on paper, begin to pray it out loud to the Lord. After you've seen it, if you, uh, if you received it, you've written it, and you said it, he said, it starts becoming a part of who you are. How many of you know what Emil said last week? The chances of it having to pass then are absolutely slim to none. He said this house would be filled with the glory of God. Now, if you don't have that and you don't have it in your spirit, it's not good enough to agree with it. It said, I'm going to pray it until I see the transformation take place, until I see the glory fill the house of the Lord and the temple of God is overwhelmed with his presence. Am I making sense to you? What are the promises of God? Do you know what they are? We walk around and we don't know the word of God and we say, I'm going to stand on the promises of God. Well, what promise are you standing on? Well, all of them. You might as well say none of them. Until you can articulate the promises of God, you've got nothing to stand on. Now I'm going to meddling. I know. I'm sorry. You understand that every 365 days we have the opportunity to start a new year. We need to redeem the time wisely. Well, Eddie, it's just ongoing in our minds. It starts a new year. We start a whole new cycle. Winter's going to end. Spring's going to come. We're going to live through another summer. We're going to live through another fall, and we're going to come into another winter season. God allows. And so here we are. It's a brand new, it's a brand new start. But if you don't change what's up here, then what's out here is going to stay exactly the same. If you don't allow what's in here to change what's up here, then you're going to get what the world is giving you. Your advice is going to come from Oprah and Dr. Phil and, and, and the wisdom of the world, and it's not going to come from the Holy Ghost of God. You see, we look for direction, and we start looking to the television What are we going to do? What are we going to do with the next 365 days if God gives them to us? And then this is the real question I want to ask you. How many people did you lead to the Lord this year? You don't have to answer that out loud. How many people did you lead to the Lord this year? How many people are going to lead to the Lord next year? Southside Christian Fellowship Church, a place where you are loved, accepted, and received, a place of healing, a place of prayer, a place of hope. Please join us every Sunday morning. For service times, locations, and other information about the church, visit us at southsidechristianfellowship.net. Again, that's southsidechristianfellowship.net. Once again, thank you for listening, and may the Lord bless and keep you. May His face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.